What time is it? 20 after. Aren't we supposed to be doing something? When's lunch? Later. Hmm. What's happening next? I'm preaching. That's what's happening now. I know you guys are super confused and I love it. Our minds are always searching for what's next. Always trying to put together the signs and the season from what time it is to what time of the year it is to what's happening perhaps in the marketplace to what's happening perhaps with our clients or customers or our students or, or whatever it is or our, or our partners. We're always trying to put things together to figure it out what it is we're supposed to do next. How are we to respond? And our mind... Our brain loves to find things that are fearful, loves to find things that tell us danger, danger, or danger, Will Robinson. You gotta, you're dating yourself again, right? Right? It's just interesting to me that especially as we came into this pandemic and as we came into this election year, everybody's brain is flashing the red lights. I don't know of anyone who at any time during this, unless you just don't really have a pulse, who hasn't at some point in time had some, what you might have called, irrational fear about something. Maybe you get a little sniffle and you're like, oh, am I next? Does this mean I'm going to be on a ventilator in another week? I mean, our brains can go to that immediately. In terms of the political nature of things, like, oh, what happens if this person gets elected or that person gets elected? That, mu that means bad things for me or that means good things for me. We project these things mostly out of fear, sometimes out of hope, but mostly out of fear, and we begin to try to protect ourselves and do things so that we will, will keep ourselves from being hurt, so we don't have to live in that fear. We're always doing things, wondering what's happening next. Where are things going? What season are we in? In the letter that Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he starts out this way in chapter 5. Now concerning the times and the seasons. Now concerning the times and the seasons, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Something's going on. There, there must be something happening. There must be some people saying, when is this going to happen? When is that going to happen? When are things going to change? When is, you know, like we always do. Trying to figure it out. Trying to put it all together. And Paul basically begins to reassure them about some things. 
but our usual mode is to act out of fear. And that's the take I want to look at this other scripture passage that we looked at. It's problematic, this scripture passage. Matthew 25, 14 to 30. It's, it's super problematic. One, it mentions slaves and masters. And for modern people, you know, they're like, I, what? Uh, so this is a story of, about a manipulative master who, who basically uses his servants to make him money without having to do anything himself. Awesome. Is this what your faith is about? <laughs> I mean, it's problematic. It just, from that point of view, but it's also problematic with what happens when he comes home because he casts this one slave who basically acted out of fear into the outer darkness and then says, oh, well, give whatever I'd given him to the one who had the most because the people who have are going to get more and the people who don't have are going to get less. Wow. That doesn't sound like a, a biblical imperative at all. And so it's problematic. And I'm not going to be able to go through all the problematic things today. I'll just tell you, the commentators don't like to deal with that section much at all. And most of the time we use it as an allegory that God has given us gifts. God has given us things, talents. They use the word talent in here. That's how it gets translated. It's probably what a talent was, was basically it was one talent was worth a year's wage. So whatever you make in a year, the first one was given five years of wages, the second one two years of wages, the other one one year of wages. Just entrusted with that. Here it is. Take care of this for me. And so that's sort of the allegory that we use is that God is the master, we're the servants, and God has given us these things, and we are called then to use those talents. We're, not, we're called not to bury our talents, not to bury the resources that we have. I would say not to act out of fear so that we can give thanks when the master returns. Because the three parables that are around this are all talking about, and the song that was just sung was about being ready for when the master returns, being ready when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus comes back. Because that's, Jesus is talking about that in his parables. And so I think it's a, I mean, it's not a bad allegory. I mean, I think that's a good encouragement and, and something that the biblical narrative would say is that God has given us resources and things. God called together the Israelites, not for themselves, but to be a blessing to all the other nations. Even though you see how they manipulate that through time and how they get selfish and they get hoarding and they pull back and they make all these differences between themselves and others, throughout the scripture over and over and over again, they are called to be a blessing to others. And I think that's, that's the larger biblical narrative. So I don't mind that allegory, right? We've all been given things and if, when we act out of fear and when we hoard, we really are denying the gifts of God. 
and we're not contributing to the common good. So I think that's an okay allegory. But what I find interesting here is in these parables and in almost all of Jesus' parables, he really points out for us human nature. That fear-based attitude that we live with. Or maybe I'll just be honest, that I live with a lot. As I read the signs and the, and the symbols and where things are going, my first response is not, I trust in God and I'm going to continue to do what I need to do and whatever happens, I'm going to be able to deal with because God will be in the midst of it. I'll just be honest, that is not my first inclination. I don't know about you. I know people who have, at least verbally, have a much different relationship with God and feel like that's what they do. They, at least they say that to themselves. I don't know if they act from that. I'm really a recovering pessimist is what I'm trying to be a, a little bit better because pessimists don't see reality. Optimists actually see things the way they are, but that's another story. I look at things and I go, oh boy, now what? I've got the first thing going up, the red lights are going off. I want to go hide in my hidey hole. I'm the third slave. Oh, you gave me this? Oh, if I go out and try to do something with this, it might not work. And if it doesn't work and I lose it, I know you're a hard master and that's bad. And it'll be bad. I mean, unfortunately, Jesus doesn't tell the parable where one of the slaves loses it all in trying to invest it or in trying to do something with it. And I mean, it would be lovely and tidy and neat, wouldn't it? If, if, if the master came and said, good job. At least you tried something. I'm not kicking you out because you, right? But that's not, <laughs> it's, Jesus isn't that tidy. Paul in his letter to the Thessalonians, it's sort of the same thing, right? For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief of the night. You don't need to have anything written to you about the, concerning the times and the seasons. They're seeking to figure out what's going to happen, when are things going to happen, how are things going to go. When they say there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come. Right, how many of us started out 2020 with grand, amazing plans for the year? Right? I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to nail it. Like, we're going to have a capital campaign. And we're going to pay off all the debt. Right? We're going to bring people together. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have drinks. We're going to have food. It's going to be amazing. There's peace and security. And then sudden destruction comes upon them. How many of us on the eve of the election thought if this doesn't go right whatever right is the whole nation's just going to blow up and there's going to be destruction how many of us were fearful of that Paul says 
the time of Jesus' returning will come upon us like labor upon a pregnant woman. Meaning it will come when it's time. And that's when the baby's going to be born. Not before, not after. And any of our prognostications, even though it medically today we like to make sure that we know the date and the time and the place and, and all of that. And then he says, for all of you who are fearful about this, this coming day of the Lord, this coming judgment day, for all of you who are, who are fearful of this, you're not in darkness for that day to surprise you. For you are all children of light and children of the day. Here Paul is using a very Greek sort of oriented thing, right? Sometimes we get into this and, and we really have to mess with this because it, it's not, it's problematic again, right? That light is good, dark is bad, blah, blah, blah. blah. That's just the way, it's a, it's a metaphor for something else. To, to make a point, to make a sort of a, a, a you know, a, a this way or that way, a one or zero kind of point. If you're children of light and children of the day, not our children of, of the night or children of darkness. So, so don't fall asleep as others do. Keep awake and be sober. And I love this because in one of the parables Jesus tells, he's talking about the bridesmaids and the ones who fell asleep get judged, basically. And, and so it's not like, oh, you got to stay awake, got to stay awake, got to stay awake. Because later Paul says, even those, whether we're awake or asleep, whether we're awake or asleep, Jesus is coming for us. The day is for us. Let us keep awake, be sober. It sort of goes down this path. So let, since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Let's put on the breastplate of faith and love. Let's, let's put on for a helmet the hope of salvation. And here's the clincher. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, which has already come. He doesn't say that. I am. In Jesus, the salvation in God, our saving nature in God has already been given us. It's here and now, and we know that it's not in its fullness, but it is here and now. And so when our minds go to this thing where we're, we're pulling back and we're hoarding and we're fearful, we need that reminder. We need that reminder that we're not in charge. We don't have control over most things. But we do have control about how we respond to the things that are going, what, about how our brain is telling us to be fearful, be fearful. We do have control about how we're going to do that. Are we going to act in our own self-interest? Are we going to vote in our own self-interest? Are we going to spend our money in our own self-interest only? Are we going to spend our time in our own self-interest only? Or are we going to work in the way that God calls us to, which is for the common good. For the common good. Well, the words of our mouths, the typing of our fingers, the posts of our social media, will they reflect our hope in God, the salvation that we already have, or will it reflect the fear and the red lights that are going off in our minds at all times as we think we can read the signs 
and the seasons. That's a choice that we do have. Which way we want to live. And as a recovering pessimist, I'll tell you, life is better for me when I'm living on that foundation. When I'm not looking at things with that red light going off all the time. That doesn't mean that we don't plan and prepare and that we don't look at things and that we don't put the scenarios out there. I mean, we have to. It's just part of life and part of being responsible for what God has given us. But do we let it carry us away in such a way that we forget about the rest of what we're called to do? That we're called to give thanks, that we're called to be generous for the common good, that we're called to look to our neighbor and the alien and the foreigner, the immigrant, the widow, the orphan, those who don't have what we have, we are called to give love and grace and yes, of our resources. Because we have a hope beyond all fear and love casts out fear. And so... Brothers and sisters, this is what I want to say. I want to give you this last line here. As Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other. May you stand on that promise that is already yours. And may you give that as a gift with thanksgiving for the common good. Amen.